So I want to bring in uh, two of our leaders, our elders, uh, Roger Hyatt, my dad. Um, it's weird to call him Roger, but I do sometimes. Uh, and then also my very dear friend, best friend, uh, Jamie Johnson. And I just asked on the Sundays of this uh, fast time that we would take some time to focus on why we're doing this. Uh, we've sent out emails and kind of had focuses for each day, but each person has this journey into the Lord as to what he is saying and what he's doing in this time. And as I've said before, these fasts are so significant for us as a community. Uh, it's become like a high point for us each year. So, Dad, why don't you just share with us what God is speaking to you and why the fast time is so important for you and Mom. Thank you, Chris. It's a privilege to be here with all of you today. Uh, just a few practical applications of what, uh, what I feel like the Lord's saying, what he's been doing in my heart. You know, the Bible doesn't spend a lot of time giving directions on how to fast. Should we have a Daniel fast, a total fast? Should we drink Coca-Cola and eat no meat? He doesn't give a lot of direction. He also doesn't give a lot of directions on raising children. Doesn't give, I, I wanted a handbook. I wanted guidelines. I want to, I want definite guidelines and, and the Bible doesn't do that uh, per se. I personally feel that both of these matters are of great importance, fasting and raising children. I also feel that sometimes Jesus is much more concerned about the attitude of our hearts than he is about the, uh, the, uh, the, the actions of our flesh. In other words, how we do it as opposed to how we feel about it. What's our heart saying? He has an answer for the flesh. And it's take up your cross and follow me. He can deal with the flesh. He just wants our heart. He wants us to be open to him. In Matthew 6, Verse 16, 17, Jesus spoke of fasting. He said, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father, who is in secret, and your father who is seized in secret will reward you. And then in Isaiah 58, and this is the scripture that we all go to when we talk about fasting. Isaiah prophesying on behalf of the Lord says, is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? To bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see them naked to cover him? Not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You know, in our life, as we go, 
it's obvious, but it's also a fact that we forget about it. And we don't think about it. It's an involuntary action. But in life, everything we do requires a decision. What am I going to wear today? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? What school will I attend? Who will I marry? What job do I want? And then we come to salvation. And salvation is one of the greatest decisions that we have to make, but you have to make a decision that you can going to follow the Lord and that you're going to let his Lordship and his kingship take over your life. Now, when you decide to fast, you bring in something else that's, that's, that's there. You have to say, why am I fasting? You have to, again, make a decision. God gives us the free right, uh, the, the right of the, or the free will to choose the path that we choose. Do I fast? for selfish reasons, as the Pharisees were? Or do I bend my will to join Jesus in his purpose, which is to set the captives free, to set the oppressed free, to take care of the homeless and the hungry? As I decide to come along beside Jesus, I put my personal well-being off. I have to put it off and I have to pick up a greater vision of doing what Jesus commanded. And he gave very few commandments, but one of them is to love your neighbor as yourself. As we daily pray, as I daily pray, I'm joining myself with Jesus to fulfill the commitment that I made upon becoming a believer. When I add in fasting to my prayers, I feel like I'm kicking it into a higher gear. I feel like I've got extra juice. For just a while, I'm putting myself aside. I'm putting my personal wants, my personal needs, all of those things that I ask God for every day, give me this, give me that. I'm laying all of that aside. And I find that I'm starting to feel the compassion and the love that he has for his people. I'm feeling that I'm starting to, to, to just feel a little bit of what he feels and he shares with me what he feels about setting those oppressed free, those hurting all around me, those who are, who are hurting over the political scene, and especially those who are hurting because of COVID-19, because of serious illnesses in their lives. This fasting and this praying with alongside Jesus as he, as he allows me to walk with him, it's not about just making me feel good, but it's about me entering in to the battle. It's about me entering in and doing what he's commissioned me to do. And I realize these are personal thoughts of my own. Maybe you feel differently about it. But I think that when we deny ourselves, 
And when we bend our wills to walk in his purpose, that it, that it does a good thing. It's brutal when we make that decision because my, my, myself is strong and I'm very selfish and I have old flesh hanging off of me. But here's the chance for me to die to myself, to let Jesus reign in my life and to do what he's commissioned and purposed me to do. In other words, do something for somebody else instead of me. So I choose to fast. One of the things that as I've entered into this season that the Lord has shown me, especially with the people who are dealing with COVID-19, is that we're dealing with hopelessness. When people are isolated, when they have to quarantine in their home, when they're in a hospital bed and their loved ones cannot come and visit them, or whatever the situation is, isolation starts in, and that opens the door for the enemy to start bringing in a spirit of hopelessness. So I think we need to stand against it, especially as we pray for our brothers and sisters who are dealing with COVID-19. Stand against the, the fact that depression and hopelessness and self-pity can come in and start tearing down your thing. I've heard it from several people who are dealing with it. It's a very real thing. So be aware of it. Don't be caught unaware. Stand against it. And thank you for letting me share with you. That's wonderful, Dad. Thank you. I really appreciate your heart and what you're sharing. I told Donna while he was sharing, he was bringing the word. It was really good. So thank you. Jamie, uh, take some time and also share just from your perspective um, what the Lord is speaking to you. Well, yes, sir. Thanks, Chris. It's already been a pretty powerful morning. Um, I was trying to text out T-shirt orders for the phrase, poof, out came the calf. I just, I want to see that a billion times. I want to see it in neon. Uh, and then uh, Donna gave us another good phrase. It'd be a good t-shirt, which is just, he's at work. You know, he is at work, man. That would change everything. Um, so I, you know, I was in a meeting on Friday night, uh, virtually just talking about how much I love fasting. It's almost a uh, trouble for me. Uh, but, um, I, we were over, I got to meet my granddaughter for the first time yesterday because I was sick. And uh, we were realizing as I was holding this baby that um, Nina and Rocky got married because of the fast. It was a fast two years ago that the night the fast broke, they went to Panera. And so I was holding life that came from fasting. And then we started to realize that if you remember my story of meeting Kathy, it was during a church fast. And I ended up going to a meeting with John Stankel, my pastor, the next day to say I I fell in love with a girl. So um, so if you want a wife or a husband or if you want a baby, fast. Um, but no, that's uh, the, the, the real thing that I would say that is my favorite thing about fasting is the clarity. You know, um, all the things that Chris talked about, about prone to wander. And I don't know about you, but uh, Jim Newsom says that he leaks, but I, I leak. And, and the clarity that comes from walking out of an amazing church service or the presence of God or a great quiet time, or even just being in good fellowship. I leak so quickly afterwards, but there is something, and it's been like this since I was a teenager. There's something about fasting that it's like 
there's, there's just a clarity that comes and it, it's a wonderful clarity and it, it accomplishes something in me. I, I learn a lifestyle of laying my life down. So I, I would say that, but there were some things God spoke to me on Friday that I just wanted to share really quickly as we, we had the time together on Friday morning and, and how great these opportunities, not just to fast and to seek him, but really the opportunity is to gather together in prayer on Wednesday night this week. And then on Friday morning from seven to eight, please, please make those times. I was in one fasting time where somebody had a vision of a, a sign for a city, Eatonville, Florida, and our church based on that moment and that church fast, we moved to that city. Like, so man, you don't want to miss that meeting when all of a sudden everything changes because of what God spoke during a fast meeting. So come on. But the thing that I love the most about fasting is that it pulls us out of the way of the world. That's really what it does so dramatically. It just jars us from the way that we've started to kind of just flow with the ways of the world. And I don't even mean to vilify anybody. I actually just mean the way of the world, the, the enemy's attack and constant subtle, subtle attack to draw us away from a life with Jesus and a life with faith and if you think about it, faith is what it is all about, a life of faith. And I, I liked what Donna was, was saying so much as she read those two quotes, that a life of faith is a life of seeking him. It's a life of following him. It's a life of enjoying him. It's a life of expecting from him, of waiting on him. It is a, it is a life lived as if he's the most important thing in the world and that he's alive and dynamic. And it's a life lived in response and obedience to what comes from that. And that, that's amazing. And if you think about it, Jesus was continually messing with the guys just saying, um, you have little faith. You know, how long do I have to sit with you guys? You know, he just kept poking them about faith, 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 faith. And Hebrews, it tells us, you know, the, the writer of Hebrews tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Paul reminds us that faith isn't just a good feeling or a fantasy. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. It's a relationship. It's all those things that we just mentioned. And so, so faith is that. Faith is that stuff that Donna was pointing us towards and that I think Chris was being so clear about between Moses and Father as far as the walking in his presence and experiencing it. But the thing that I felt like the Lord said is that's what he's after. That, that is what he's after. The thing that I felt that the Lord said is how easy it is for us to fall into unbelief or faithlessness and how unbecoming it is. And it's another way to describe idolatry. It's another way to describe what happens is when he becomes small, something else becomes big. You know, it's just, it's on a slider. You know, fear of the Lord goes down and, and fear of man or fear of anything else rises. And, and it's amazing what starts to occupy that space. And that is what I think the Lord is really after in this week of the fast for me. And I believe it's a message for us. But the enemy doesn't need us to sacrifice goats. That's not what he's after. He just needs faithlessness. He just needs you to be caught up in anything but Jesus. That is his whole game. And, and many of us fall back from this active, dynamic life of faith we're called to. And we fall back into those idols, the things that Chris described, good things that just become bigger than they're supposed to be. And, and I think if you see it in the practical, we see it around our jobs. You know, like we don't have faith for our job. We walk into the job, we get more caught up in the people, the bosses, the system, the, the finances, the, the realities, fear of losing our job, fear of not performing well. And, and we start to get so caught up in that. And, and then we lose sight of Jesus. And then we come home and we have our spouse 
indulge our self-pity because we're afraid and we're pouting and why do we have to do this? And, and then our whole life becomes warped around what a job is really meant to be, which is a place that in, in the book of Genesis, where we go and we take dominion over, over it and we demonstrate obedience and a life that's dynamic where God is showing up in our workplace and in, our, in those lives. That's what it's made to be. But for so many of us as couples, very quickly, you have to admit, you can go into losing instead of winning. You can go and being the tail instead of the, the head. And, and for so many of our couples, why do our guys not become dynamic kingdom men? Because they're chasing their tails around their jobs and girls too. And, and, and they just never come around to actually show up at church being like, okay, I found the Lord in my job. And now I have margin. I have so much to give. I'm going to give more to the kingdom. And in fact, I see kingdom as what I'm doing in that work as well. Here I am. I'm a man of God. And when we, we've seen the great men, the Curtises and the Chris's and Donna's and, and the Rogers and, and the, the brother John's and brother Charles's, those are people who found that way past idolatry in their job into demonstrating him. And it happens with our kids too. We can't get on the same page. We're not listening to him about how to re respond to our children. Uh, we're kind of spinning, getting freaked out, you know, going from novelty to novelty, trying to put tape on it. But we just never find the way of winning, the way of victory. And then we start to warp. And, and then it, it happens. Um, you know, the sad thing about jobs and families, on one side, we're weak and struggling. And then on the other side, we become proud. My kids are amazing. I did so great at my job. It's like, how many ways could you do it wrong? Well, you know, check, check. Um, and it goes on. You know, we can turn into fear. For a lot of us, fear and anxiety is a full-time job. If we're hypervigilant about caring for the weight of the world, we'll never be hurt. That is for sure a lie from the enemy, of course. And, you know, uh, he hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, but a power of love and a sound mind. And so for so many of us, those are idols. And we can spiritualize anxiety. You can, you can really get to the point where that's your prayer life. And, and why do so many kids struggle with praying moms? Because so much of what they're being prayed, it's coming out of anxiety. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not living a life full of faith for your children, but it's constantly like you're having to nag God to try to get the kid to be what you want him to be, that won't work either. So fear and anxiety, that's not going to do it. Sickness can become something that consumes you and you see it as bigger than the power of the Lord. And that's just wrong. He'll either give you grace in it or he'll give you grace and release from it. But there's no chance that Jesus Christ won't be glorified in you. There's just no chance. Uh, we can get caught up in our friends. Home groups become friend groups and click groups instead of places where we're all finding him. You have to think any institution, family, church, home group, that's not drawing people into a living, dynamic power of God demonstrating life, you're actually part of the problem and not part of the solution. That's an idol. Um, pet theologies, the thing you always want to talk about as if that's the only thing Jesus talks about anymore. Wrong. That's just incorrect. No chance. Uh, politics. It's just, I mean, if you think about it, the most politically motivated of the disciples was Judas. That's not a great place to be in. It's not that politics don't matter. It's not that it's not who we are in some levels. It just isn't allowed to be the first thing. The kingdom of God is our Washington, D.C. He is ours and we are his. And then we get to live and be faithful citizens in our country and fight for them. But we are first kingdom people. We are first kingdom people above all. In the holiness of God, we are set apart to be kingdom people. Our religion, 
you can get caught up in religion. It's fun. I don't know. And it's not really fun, but for some people, apparently it becomes fun. Uh, liturgy even, you know, we, we've used a liturgy to frame this fasting time. It's some nice things. If you think about what liturgy is, it's the living faith of those who have gone before us. And it creates like a trellis for the vine to grow, for our, for our prayer time to go. For a lot of people, if you're not really engaging Jesus in faith and you're just holding on to liturgy, it's dead. And guess who hates dead liturgy? Children, young people. They show up and they're like, why are we playing all these rules, doing all these rhythms, but none of it's real to me and it's not changing my life. And they push back on it. So even, even something like liturgy can be a problem. And then of course, materialism, man, we are quick clickers uh, on the billion things that we need and we satisfy ourselves. We don't need to pray. <laughs> Why pray? I can click. So all of those things can become idols and they start to get a share of our hearts and we can't figure out why there's no power, but it's garbage in and then garbage out or it's power in and then it's power out. And so you're going to reap what you sow. We're going to reap what we sow. So I, I just really have sensed that when we get bogged down in this faithlessness, we're laying down and trading in the opportunity to live dynamic, powerful kingdom lives. And, and for us as a congregation, what was begun in the spirit starts to become walked out in the flesh. And we are a congregation filled with people who gave themselves in the 60s and 70s to an experience of the power of God and of the charismatic gifts of God. And, and in transformative lives, marriage is changing, everything changing because of the power of God. And we do not want to be the generation of this church that trades that in for something cheaper, for something lesser, for something with less power. And, and, and we all have to challenge ourselves from our oldest of us to the youngest. It's hard to end well. It's easy to get tired. But it's also hard to start well, too. And it's hard to find him. We've got to be a church that helps each other be a people of faith and not of faithlessness. So I just say that today we will need to repent. You know, this is a part of the fast where we humble ourselves, we repent, we come back to him, we look at anything we've been using to fill our hearts but him, and we say, I don't want it. I just don't want it. It's not helping me. It is hurting me. My children are watching it. My grandchildren are watching it. Uh, the world that's dying is watching it. And so we turn away from those things and we turn back to him in relationship. And I, I just believe that as we do, we will see the power and the love of God and of his kingdom. Wow, that's tremendous, Jamie. I, I, I think people can see why it is so important uh, for the fact that we walk not as one single leader, but as a plurality of elders and leadership that God has bestowed many gifts among us. And listening to my wife, listening to my dad, listening to Jamie today helps demonstrate the diversity of gifting, but also the power of God to be revealed in our midst because of it. And so I'm grateful for these two men. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for all of you. We wanna close this morning. Uh, with just a, a short time of prayer as we continue in this season of seeking him. And the words that, that Roger and Jamie and Don and me have all given today, I trust they will challenge you into God's word and presence because that's where life is for you. Dad wants you to start us in prayer. Would you mind? Unmute yourself if you could. <coughs> Awesome. <laughs>
Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this season. Not always pleasant to go through unpleasant seasons, but it's necessary. We see your purpose going forth. We see you at work and we know that you're in control. Thank you, Father. We continue to pray for those among us that are friends, acquaintances that are, that are struggling with the COVID-19, those who are struggling with uh, hurt over the political situation. Father, that you heal their heart, that you heal their body, that you heal their spirit, that you raise them up and let them walk as children of God as they should, and that they walk in health. We thank you for this time together, and we ask that we glorify your name in all that we do. Amen. And Jesus, you said to us that in this world, we would have trouble, but to fear not because you've overcome the world. And so we are so grateful that we're yours, that, that adoption, that passing from death into life, that, that passing into being yours was the biggest thing that could have ever happened. And, and, and the truth is, is as we pass from death to life, we have no fear of death. And we're so grateful that we have your presence. We're so grateful we get to enjoy you. And, and hopefully, Jesus, our prayer is to be enjoyed by you. Lord, let us bless your socks off. Lord, as you look across at all the churches, at all the groups, let us be a people who you just say, wow, I, I love you guys, and and Lord, work in our hearts faith. Work in our hearts where you're the first thing. You're the middle thing. You're the last thing. We lift you up. We repent in the ways where we've run after other things. We choose you today, and we pray that your miraculous power, the power of the Holy Spirit, would flow through our hearts, flow through our men's hearts, flow through our women's hearts, flow through our families' hearts, our children's hearts from the oldest of us to the youngest. And we just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do a work of grace in us that would be so powerful, so so tangible. And Lord, that you would be glorified in this time in Jesus' name. And Lord, I wanna hold up to you, everyone who is among us in our community, those that we love dearly that are struggling uh, with the coronavirus. I pray, Lord, uh, for Doug Mosley, John's brother, who is in the hospital right now, we pray, Father, that you would touch his body with your spirit and raise him up. I pray for dear friends across the nation and certainly those within our community that are struggling with symptoms. We're grateful to you, Lord, for your protection and healing. We pray that you would be manifest in our midst. And as Jamie said earlier, uh, that we would not succumb to sickness as our thing, that if you desire for us to go through something, you will give us grace for it. And if you desire for us to be free from it, you are a healer. Mm -hmm. So we pray for each person that's impacted by COVID. And we pray, Lord, for our community, as Dad and Jamie have already prayed, that this season would change us, change us, more fully into your image, to be more obedient to your word, to be more loving of our neighbors and our enemies, to be more grace-filled in the way we operate and to be less idolatrous, less dissolved into our own selfishness and self-awareness and more fully given to the Father's business. 
that the kingdom of God would be our call and that your presence would distinguish us in these days. We commit this time, not just this moment and this morning, but this whole time of seeking your face, returning to you, of letting you examine our hearts and change us. May we be servants of the Most High in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We love all of you. The Lord bless you. We will see you at our Zoom prayer meeting on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. and be looking for the links for that. God bless.